Well, this is a video that uh, DFW People Groups Initiative. It's a group of us at Prestonwood that are meeting monthly, and CBA is part of that, and uh, they have undertaken the uh, responsibility to make a video to make people in DFW, especially the SBTC churches aware, or Southern Baptist churches aware of this great opportunity and need uh, that we have to reach the lost right here, um, and not at all minimizing foreign missions in any way. And I'm so thankful for this opportunity to speak to you. I'd like to thank Brother Jesse for uh, recommending me, as well as Pastor Reed for um, inviting me, and Brother John Fletcher, who even gave up part of his weekend to uh, get all this uh, in the format that is, um, you know, used here of Pro Presenter. Um, because I, I only use PowerPoint and wherever I go. Uh, so I'd like to say a word of prayer before I begin. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this wonderful opportunity. I thank you for this great group of people. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to worship you in truth and spirit where we have freedom to do it without uh, fear of harm or opposition. And we do especially want to pray now that you would take over, uh, that your Holy Spirit would speak through your servant, that you would be maximized and I would be minimized, that I totally get out of the way so that your spirit can um, uh, convey to each of these dear people what you would have them to do in relation to this great need and your command to go and reach the nations. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. So let me give you some context as to why I'm going through some... Um, Demographic trends first. Um, you know, this is probably the time that you came to hear the Word of God, and maybe some of you are wondering why are we doing demographics here. But uh, when I was a student at DTS, Dr. Ramesh Richard, uh, who teaches preaching, would say, exegete scripture with one hand and exegete culture with the other. In other words, exegete the Bible and also exegete the newspaper. Uh, I know newspapers are out old-fashioned, but whatever form of uh, uh, news that you use. Uh, according to the U.S. Census in 2010, DFW was the fourth largest metropolitan area, which is very surprising. And the population has risen further from what you see there, from 6.5 million to 7.5 million. And that is not ending. The projections are that it will keep on growing to 12.5 million producing incredible stress on the infrastructure, whether it be traffic, whether it be water supply, and all these things. So it does present a lot of challenge to the people living here, and maybe some of us would think it'd be better that we not have that kind of growth because we don't have the infrastructure to handle that. But at the same time, it provides great opportunities, just like you heard in the video. And, you know, when you drive by, have you noticed how many license plates from other states you're seeing here because people are moving to Texas. Texas is the land of opportunity in America. You know, DFW, just two weeks ago, Carol D was saying, is the number one area for job growth in the U.S. It has a much lower unemployment rate than the whole rest of the nation. And, you know, Toyota is moving its headquarters from California to Plano soon. Thousands of Japanese are expected here. Already they have asked the city of Plano for permission to build a Japanese school. Are we ready for them? 
Are we ready to meet that challenge of all these Japanese moving in? And you know what? It's sad to say, but the landscape is quickly changing. The large mosques that you see are multiplying. The Hindu temples are multiplying, and they're getting bigger and bigger. Uh, Josh, Susan, uh, Daniel, and I, we all wanted to be here. Jesse had invited us as a family, but Dan's a student at UT, so of course he couldn't make it. But Susan is in India um, now because her mother is critically ill on the ventilator and not expected to make it. So I would appreciate your prayers very much. And I, yet I had these um, opportunities that God had given me at, at Criswell and another Mizzou Christian, Texas Mizzou Christian Church and here. And the Lord was telling me it's better that I stay here. Uh, I don't know why. I'd rather be there and be with my wife and especially with my mother-in-law if it is our last days. But at least until now, I've not gotten a green signal to go. But as a family, we went to Maryland um, 2013 to do a VBS and what we noticed there was that the churches were dilapidated they looked really dingy the mosques on the way of which there were many I think three huge mosques looked beautiful and that is happening across America the the number of churches evangelical churches that are closing every day in the US is staggering I don't have the exact figures, but I've heard it on the radio. So is this just good because it's going to bring jobs to DFW, the fact that we have all these companies moving into uh, DFW and Texas? Um, no, it's not just for that. I believe that the Lord has more in store. In fact, three of the fastest-growing cities in all of the U.S. are in Texas. And we are developing... We are developing an infrastructure for a purpose. You know, for example, Emirates, Qatar Airways, and Etihad Airways now all have nonstop flights to the Middle East from Dallas. Okay? And why is that significant? Because that means that you can reach your mission destination when you're going on a short-term missions trip to Africa or anywhere to the Far East or Southeast Asia, you can do it with one stop. You know, I was mentioning Susan went to India because of her mother's illness, both in March and then again in April. She left here at 6.40 p.m. on a Thursday, and she is there in her destination city in India within less than 24 hours, 22 hours. So that is significant as far as the infrastructure that God is building up. And these are things... You know, I don't know why, but I started, not just because it's convenient for me as an Indian to go to India, but I started praying for these things maybe two or three years ago, that God would enable these particular airlines to come into Dallas and also start routes. Not to make my travel easy or my wife's travel easy, but more importantly because of the amazing potential it has for the gospel. And so God is building up an infrastructure for us to use and I'd like to just share one story, you know, based on my wife's experience when she went in March to India. She got on a Qatar Airways flight. She's sitting next to a Muslim man from Virginia. His name's John. I don't know why his name's John, but anyway, it was John. But uh, anyway, he's, he said he's been a Muslim all his life, got to talking with Susan, and said, okay, <clears throat> now I understand from what you're talking, 
or what you're saying, you must be a missionary. And she said, yes, I am. Then, she's, then he said, can I ask you some questions? I really want to know whether Jesus is a prophet or is he really the son of God? And Susan went through and answered every one of his questions. Without fail, the Holy Spirit just gave her answers one after the other. She's not an apologist by any means. And, uh, but God enabled her, empowered her, and he said, you know what, you're really good. And then he didn't want to be stuck between two women, so he moved to another seat. And he said, hey, I'll think about this. And he moved to another seat. The lights went down in the aircraft, because this is a 16-hour flight from Dubai to Doha, you know, which is the capital of Qatar. And so they turned the lights down, and all of a sudden this man, he's an Anglo, he starts loudly preaching the gospel to two Indian women, probably Hindus, who are sitting next to him. And he preaches for one hour. And people in the aircraft are trying to sleep. He didn't care. He just kept on preaching. And so Susan and others, would, when he makes certain points, they would amen him. And these Hindu ladies were like, hey, hey, why are all these people saying amen to your points? And they couldn't figure it out. So then finally, <coughs> sorry, he said, they're agreeing with what I'm saying. And he said, one day every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And you know what? These women, within an hour or a little later, they accepted Jesus Christ right on the aircraft. Okay, now the flight's about to end in Doha. This gentleman that was from Virginia, the Muslim, all his life, comes to Susan's um, seat, kneels on the ground, and he says, I want to thank you for introducing Jesus to me as the Son of God. And Susan asked, so what happened? You know, she's like, he was discussing and he was thinking about it. And she said, what, what happened? What, 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 did you make a decision? And uh, it turns out, when the man led the Hindu women, the Indian women, to Christ, he overheard it and he decided to follow Christ. So three people on that aircraft on March 13th. And that's, you know, just one, uh, you know, example of that. So people movements, according to Dr. Mike Pocock, he used to be the director of the missions department at DTS. He said, it is always with a purpose that when God moves significant numbers of people across the globe, it is with a divine purpose. And often, It'll be missiological, and he's done a lot of studies on that, and we've talked about that and all that, but we don't have time to go into all that. But I want to cite one example of this, okay? I go to this medical camp here in Dallas, you know, right in the per perimeter of 635 and Greenville Avenue. So um, I've been there before with Steve Bird from Prestonwood for an ESL class, and uh, these people are, you know, with blankets on their shoulder from Bhutan, wearing Bhut Bhutanese clothes. And I'm like, is this Bhutan or is this Dallas? And uh, anyway, I went there. They had an ESL class, and there's a temple, a Hindu temple full of Hindu gods. And outside, we did the, we did the ESL class. The, the temple priest, the Brahmin priest, afterwards, he made tea and gave it to us. So I went there the second time to do this evangelism for Mission Dallas, a Korean group. And so I get there, two guys, they come to my car and they say, hey, can you take us to make photocopies of the registration form for the medical camp? I said, sure. On our way to FedEx, they started talking to me, and I'm like, 
you know, you guys really know English really well. What, what's the deal? And they tell me this incredible story. They went from Bhutan to Nepal, which is a bordering nation of India and Bhutan. And some of you are nodding your head, you probably know that. Okay, while there, they were educated in English medium by missionaries in Nepal from my state of India, Kerala. And you know what they said to me? They said, thank you for the missionaries. Thank you for teaching us English and educating us. And here, God is again bringing them from, from a refugee camp in Nepal to an apartment complex in Dallas, again as refugees, and being exposed again to Christ, Christians and Christianity. And so the responses and results may be different. I'm not saying everyone's going to respond that way. This young teenager, oh, well, sorry, I'm, I'm flipping too fast and I don't have the feedback there. <laughs> okay. But uh, this young man right here, I was speaking to four teenagers at that medical camp, and he listened very intently. He even took a Jesus film, and the other three just blew me off. And I didn't care. I just kept on going. But it was maybe for just this young man, Yadu, uh, when I witnessed to those group of teenagers. And so my first point this morning is pray for your city. See, when you are living in a city, this is part of God's expectation for you. Even when the Israelites were taken into captivity, into Babylon, for 70 years, by an enemy nation, this is what God commanded them. Seek the welfare of the land and pray for this city because in its welfare is your welfare. It will definitely impact you. If you do not pray for the city, this city which is so favorable to the gospel can become unfavorable. And I'm saying this with great gravity. You know, Mike Rawlings was the one mayor of the maybe 250 cities, largest cities in the U.S., the one mayor who would not sign that document asking for gay and lesbian marriage. And he signed it April, I don't know, just a few days ago. He signed it, finally. So we need to pray for them. They can do us much harm or they can do us much good. They don't necessarily have to be believers for God to hear our prayers for them. So pray for the city. It has been well said, when we work, we work. When we pray, God works. You know, that's the difference. I mean, I, we could go out witnessing every day of the week. And I tell you, unless the Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin and righteousness and judgment, it's not going to do any good. Because the God of this age has blinded their eyes so that they cannot see the truth. That's why you see very educated, <clears throat> sorry, intellectual Hindus who may be doctors, who may be very high up in society doing the most stupid things like putting out bananas for an idol. So the only way that that's going to happen is if we start praying. And I think... It's important that we do that. And I remember, remember when we started our ministry in 2011, we, we shared this burden with the family. And they said, okay, you do one thing, come to our home. They live in one of the historic mansions on Swiss Avenue, you know, in the historic part of Dallas. And uh, so we started. And in, uh, we started in January 2011, February 
Um, Susan is given this impression by God, and don't think we're very mystical or anything by that. But uh, anyway, to pray for billboards with the gospel to spring up along the freeways. So she tells me this burden, and I say, you know what? I have this same burden. I don't know why. I never shared it with you because I thought it's so outlandish, you know, because we don't see many billboards like that, these, these days at least. And so anyway, we brought it to the group, and they, we, we prayed together, and we saw billboards on Dallas North Tollway on 183 and 35 by March and April. We didn't have to do it. God did it. <laughs> the Methodist church is what I heard, did it? <laughs> okay? So God, God doesn't necessarily need uh, a particular organization or resource. He owns the world and all that is in it. Okay, now Christ commands this city as being the hub. Where do I get that from? Acts 1.8, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you will receive power and then you will be my witnesses, that is, witnesses to the point of death, right? You know that already. In Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Okay? So there is a clear mandate that the city, and now I'm not deifying the city. I know the city is a place where vice and virtue coexist. And the origin of the city, if you look in the Bible, is very wicked. But now that we have cities and people are moving or congregating around cities, and America is becoming more urban than it is rural. Now we must use this opportunity. And likewise, if you look at the church in the first century, also, um, sorry, not only from Jerusalem, but then when the locus of the church or the hub of the church moved to Antioch, there again, the gospel went into Europe and Asia when Paul and Barnabas were sent out by the church in Antioch of Syria. And then there were multiple hubs in Thessalonica. It became a hub which spread out into, Thessal uh, into Macedonia and Achaia. And likewise, you see the same thing happening in the case of um, Ephesus to all of Asia Minor or Turkey. And if you know anything about the airline industry, this makes a lot of sense. Remember when Delta had that hub in Atlanta and they had that hub in Cincinnati and the flights would go in and out and hub and spoke system? Okay, so this makes a lot of sense even to the world and it should make more sense to us. Okay, Christianity Today had, on their covers, uh, had, had as a cover story in 2002 about the concentration of churches organizations, and seminaries in DFW. The last time I checked at the Hope Center, they have 46 Christian organizations there in one building. But of course, right across the street is the Islamic Studies Center, which is just as large. Okay? So I'm not saying that Dallas is a religious mecca for all the Christians, and I'm not deifying or vilifying DFW. There's a lot of evil. We need to pray against it. When you go up I-35, from the city, and you see those adult entertainment clubs. Pray against them. We have the authority to do that. Why aren't we doing that? Pray that they'll be shut down. God's done that kind of stuff. God shut bars. I, I remember when we were in India, we had an a alcohol shop right next to our office. We prayed it, we prayed it down. It was shut down. <clears throat> okay, so we need to be praying, but 
I have to warn you, that is spiritual warfare. The enemy is not going to like that. But we need to pray. Okay, and the second point of my sermon is pray for your leaders. Okay, now this is something that we cannot relegate to the back burner. It is a priority. Why? Because Paul is telling Timothy, the young pastor of the church at Ephesus, that firstly, believers should be praying for their leaders. It doesn't mean we agree with them. It doesn't mean that they're doing necessarily what is godly. But praying for them is a priority. And why is it a priority? It's very clear. So that we may lead a quiet, peaceful, godly, dignified, serious. Dignified there means serious life. I heard on the other day, KCBI, you know, they give 30 30 seconds to people, you know, to say something. And this guy's like, hey, Jesus is coming soon, but have fun while you can. And I'm like, that guy's totally missing it. Because God is not concerned so much about your happiness as he is concerned about your holiness. Without holiness, no one will see God. So if you want to continue to worship the way you do, pray. If you want to continue to evangelize the way you do, pray. If you want to live as a Christian in this land, pray, my dear brother. Pray, my dear sister. Things are nasty. Maybe it's because we go around like this. See no evil, hear no evil. And we just act as if we don't know about it. But it is going on. The state of Washington is taking on one 70-year-old woman, Baronel Stetsman, a florist, because she would not provide flowers for a gay or, or a lesbian wedding. And you know what? The state, the attorney general, everyone is suing her for every penny that she has. They are determined to make her penniless. This is what is going on. And you know what? Starbucks is the company that sponsored that bill that was passed in Washington to make homosexuality legalized. Okay, so number two, it, it is good and pleases God. This is why you should pray for your leaders, because this is what God wants you to do. This is your calling as a Christian. It's not to just have fun at Christian concerts and go from this activity to that activity, but prayer is our main business. And prayer is definitely related to our main task of evangelism. Why? Because God says, who desires all men to be saved and to come... Sorry. This clicker and uh, PowerPoint are different from ProPresenter. I was warned that by Todd Fletcher, so I take all the blame for that. (laughs) Who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. So praying for your leaders up here as top priority and reaching the lost are directly connected. You cannot disconnect them. You cannot divorce them. And therefore, if you are not praying for your leaders, don't expect evangelism. It's clear as that. Maybe that's part of the key to why we're failing so miserably in America at evangelism. Why our convention, unfortunately, the largest Protestant Christian denomination in America is in decline in baptism, in salvation decisions, and many other aspects. And yet, of course, we respect our convention because they stand up for what's right. And maybe some of these people are leaving because of that. So I'm not, I'm not in any way castigating or criticizing our convention. 
then I would like to, you know, ask you this question. Remember, my first point was pray for your city. My second point was pray for your leaders. My, first, my third point is pray for the nations. Okay, now, when we look at that verse, we automatically think our orientation is countries, nations. Okay, but when you look at the word, actually, it's ethnicity. Okay? So the point is pray for all ethnicities. It's sort of correctly in translate. It's sort of correctly, incorrectly translated. Sorry, it's incorrectly translated as nations. That is a bad translation, because this concept of nationhood, modern nationhood, wasn't even there when that was written. The United Nations, the 186 nations in there, didn't exist. It is talking about people groups. It coincides with Revelation 5:9. From every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. There again, ethnic group is a correct translation, not nation. So we must do that. And what better place to do that than DFW? Dr. Brian Galloway, one of the members of this group that I just mentioned, DFW PGI, he has been sent by IMB after serving for 20 years in Indonesia and China as a missionary to DFW to study DFW um, diversity and ethnography. You know what he has found? He has found 300 language groups. 300 language groups. The other day I was trying to witness to a, a, a young lady. I said, you know, I'm trying to communicate. She can't understand me. I go, Espanol? And she's like, I go, Portuguese? You know, because she had dark hair and olive skin. Bad, bad stereotype. But uh, anyway, um, she finally, she knew I was desperate to convey something to her. She goes, only Hebrew. There are people like that here. There are people who can only understand Bhutanese or, or Mizo. I was two weeks ago at a church in a Mizo, Texas Mizo Christian Church in Grand Prairie, one of the newest Southern Baptist of Texas Convention Asian churches that we have. And those people could not understand. They've been here for four or five years. They can't understand English. I don't know why. They didn't learn it, but they need to hear the gospel. Okay? And so they had to use an interpreter. Okay, then. So I am under great time constraints, I see. So I'm just going to flip through this really quickly. And uh, this gives you some idea of some of the ministries we do, ESL and uh, prayer ministries and door-to-door and apartment outreach and uh, ethnic stuff. Um, so... Let me just zip through there. And one area that we've really focused on is multi-housing. Why are we doing that? There are 2,000 apartment complexes in Dallas and Rockwall County alone. Ebby Halliday, the realtor, uh, real, realty company, has locating services at 4,500 apartment complexes in all of DFW. That's one, re- that's one realtor. Barbara Oden, who's been in apartment ministry, said it this way in one of her old books. She said, if these people are unchurched, then an apartment complex should appear to us as a village. In my apartment complex, and one of the intentions of me living in an apartment complex is because I want to do that because I, to identify 
if I'm in apartment ministry, of course our budget constraints would be definitely a reason, but um, 368 units. Multiply that by two at least. Over 700 people. <clears throat> and most of those cars <clears throat> are there on Sunday. Okay? So, if there's a village of 700 people, there'd probably be a Baptist church, it'd probably be a Pentecostal church, it'd probably be a Methodist church. So we're missing. We're really missing a large segment of the population. And the U.S. is now the third most populous country in the world, right after both China and India. So we really, really have to rethink that. Because the USSR broke off and, you know, became Russia and whatever. But, so we operate both at the strategic level and at also the tactical level. Uh, strategic level by planning, praying, mobilizing, doing conferences and stuff like that. Uh, I pray with uh, two mission pastors, Steve Bird at Prestonwood and James Charles, and we strategize and we try to get into new uh, apartment complexes. And, you know, you have different results. Like this one, they gave us a key to the clubhouse because the manager was a born-again Christian. As soon as she moved, I lost the key, and I lost my access. So things will change. I'm not saying this is an easy ministry. That's why a lot of churches shy away from it. In our apartment worship at Grayson's Gate, at one time we had four groups represented, West African, Hispanic, Anglo, and Indian. One of the strategies that we found very successful is door-to-door evangelism. And I'd like to share just one story here. Woodlake Baptist members join me every Tuesday night from June to November 2011 in door-to-door outreach at homes and apartments. And it was really hot, okay, that year. On the last day of outreach at this complex, we met this Vietnamese lady right there. She doesn't know a word of English, so I'm doing hand motions, she's doing hand motions, and we're trying to communicate. Hey, we have free English, so we give her the gift bag. And (coughs) Her um, daughters, unfortunately, knew a bit of English. Anyway, the next day, they come... All four of them, all four members of the family. And while the parents are, are learning English, the kids are in Bible club. And, I'm, and I saw them as recent as maybe two weeks ago. Okay, so uh, this is another complex that we work at Peter's Colony Apartments. We've had ESL classes there for two years. And then now we're doing, um, um, what is it, Good News Clubs there at that same complex in the Learning Center. And... One girl, in fact, came to Christ, and I'm saying that ahead of time because I'm going to have to go real fast just to keep up. And uh, the school ministry also this year, we've lost permission. Uh, So these kind of things can change. So seize the opportunities when they're they're there. And we're also involved with the Filipino-American. This is our Asian Indian Outreach, and I will show you the girl that got saved. In fact, she got saved while I was teaching her mom English, Susan was teaching her the Bible. And she's bigger, much bigger than that, of course, by now. But anyway, this is a, a great example of how these things all connect. Okay, and then um, we partner with the Filipino ministry. And one of the greatest things about this is that I get to preach, teach, and also... Um, on New Year's and Christmas Eve and Thanksgiving, all special occasions, they have events where they invite the unsaved, and I get to preach the gospel to them. And we do nursing home ministry also with them 
Even today, in fact, we have nursing home ministry this afternoon with the Filipinos uh, at this nursing home in Irving. Okay, so my final point, and I know my time is coming quickly to the end, so I'll just flip through this really quickly. And my final point of my sermon, uh, and Brookhaven um, College Bible Study, I should mention that because Jesse had given much attention to that. Uh, Yeah, we have eight or nine nationalities represented, eight or nine now in that one group. But so the nearest school, the nearest community college, the nearest apartment complex, I mean, the opportunities abound. And if you need tracks in other languages, you know, um, let me know. I have a lot of languages and I have, you know, multiple quantities that I could give away to you free. And finally, my last point of the sermon that I'd like to make is pray for workers. Pray to the Lord of harvest because the harvest truly is plenteous, but the labors are few. If you pray, God will send out the workers. You know, I mentioned at Prestonwood, we were praying once a month um, on Tuesdays from 10 to 12 from September. We, Dr. Brian said the number one priority for us is Urdu-speaking people. That is Pakistanis, you know, Muslims uh, who are building all these mosques. So we need to pray for them. And we started praying in September. By November, I met a Pakistani pastor that Dr. Kim, Hyungmin Kim, had identified as a potential church planner. By December, he said he's going to launch. He already has 30 to 35 people, uh, Pakistani people, that are worshiping. And so when you start praying, God is going to work, okay? So uh, finally, I said I will also give you some application. So my points, I'll review them once again. Pray for your city, pray for your leaders, pray for the ethnic groups, and pray for the workers to come out. And so think outside the box. I'll tell you just one story about this. You know, last week, because Susan was out, a woman, um, Carol McCann from First United Methodist at Carrollton, came out to help me with the Good News Club. And their church is very evangelical, not like the rest of the UMC. But anyway, you know, and what she said to me was astounding. Her pastor was preaching about doing outreach. She said, hey, there's a school right next door. They went to the school. The school was like, where have you been all this time? They start a club, first week, 28. Next time, 38 students in a good news club. Okay, now, second here, diversify your portfolio. How many of you have taken an investments class? Okay, the number one key word I remember in my investments class was diversify. Okay, just think diversify. Whatever your niche is. You know, I'll tell you what. If you even take an international student, a Hindu, bring him into your home. You know, he sees you pray before a meal. He, show, he sees the TV shows you watch. He sees the TV shows that you don't watch. He sees how you respond when the referee makes a bad call or when your team loses. He sees that you don't need an alcoholic beverage to unwind. And I'll tell you a story about this. There's a Brahmin uh, man here in DFW, a very good friend of mine. You know what? He, in Bombay when he was back in India, he was invited by some Christian youth to a Christian camp. He went looking for a good time. He went there, and all these young people are having fun. There's no alcohol. There's no immorality. You know, it's all clean fun. You know what? He came to Christ. He's a pastor now. Okay? So it can have incredible impact. And, you know, so diversify your portfolio, whatever it is. You know, it may be different things for different people, but... I would say 
that is important. Then train trainers, welcome. Just be welcomers, like I said about the international students or other people that are coming in. Don't have a driver's license. Don't have a clue what to do. Be a welcomer. Be a mobilizer. Mobilize other people. And you know, that's part of the gifting that God has given me to mobilize and send people. And you're already doing that. You're doing a great job of that. And going. You know, if God calls you to go, be ready to go. And I better stop. <laughs> My time is up. Sorry. <laughs> okay. I don't want to keep you guys over. But, you know, if you can pray for these things, I would be so grateful. My family, Josh, would be so grateful. Pray for open doors of ministry for us. Pray for souls may, that souls may be saved. He, he, in fact, leads the youth worship over at Woodlake Baptist. Daniel used to do that until he went to UT. Uh, they started a Christian band together. And number, number three, that we may be catalyst for many ethnic groups to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And number four, for health for our, for our family. Health is wealth. You know, we have been, I'm on my fifth course of antibiotics for, for, you know, it's not anything major in my case. It is major in my mother-in-law's case, but we have just been, Susan was down for two months. She got to minister one week at the Good News Club, and the next week she, had to, she was in India with her mother. She's not, so in the past three or four months, she has ministered once at that Good News Club. So health is such an area where the enemy is battling us and trying to keep us down. So we'd appreciate your prayers. And uh, I'd turn, like turn it over to Pastor uh, Paul, right? Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>